Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have a special guest, Steph Evans from VetFiz Pro. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to talk to people that are in kind of the rehab and fitness side of the dog world because, of course, our audience is very involved in dog-powered sports. And while they do have a fitness plan that involves a lot of cardio and maybe some resistance, there's some more that they can add to that to not only help improve their dog's performance, but also prevent some injury. So that's why you're here to talk with us today. Before we get started, do you mind giving everybody a little introduction? to you and kind of how you got started in dogs. Yeah, so um, I'm Steph. Um, hi, everyone. Um, so I am a physio. So I started in human physio and then I moved and did my master's in vet physio. And I work part time at the moment as a lecturer at university in animal therapy. So all things animal therapy. And then the other half of my life, um, I'm kind of like a double agent. <laughs> The other half of my life is working for myself and um, Betfis Pro, which is literally like saying I am um, all about kind of keeping people and their dogs on their feet and as going as long as possible for as well as possible. But um, in terms of how I got into it, it wasn't I didn't I wasn't always like, oh, yeah, I want to do dog rehab. And um, I was a bit confused at the beginning. So I started off I think a lot of people start off wanting to be a vet. Yeah. Um, so I started off looking at kind of vets and I think I spoke to too many vets. So I remember having one conversation with a vet and I was like, do you have time for a horse? She was like, I don't have time for a boyfriend, Steph. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, OK. Um, and then I ended up exploring other options where people had time in their lives. Um, <laughs> hats off to vets. Vets do amazing things. Um, but I do quite like my own time. Um, and then kind of had a look at different things. And I, I think I looked at um, an equine science undergrad and they mentioned about a vet physio masters. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I went for um, then I found out about doing like the chartered route. So doing human first. And I went to um, an undergrad human physio open day with my as you do with your parents. And in the finance talk, they were like, it's free. And my, my mom put her hand in front of everyone. She said, I'm sorry, did you say that was free? <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they said yes, because um, I'm in the UK, if people can't guess by my accent. Um, and so the NHS, so our National Health Service, at that point paid for the degree. Wow. And my dad was like, yeah, you should do this. <laughs> yeah. Free education, free career path. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, I think it saved me about 30k. So I was like, it's free and I can get into the master's. I'll do that. Um, so <laughs> that's how I got into the human and then animal side. And then I did do some horses, but then horses can damage you a lot more. Um, and yeah, some horses are not well behaved. Yeah. And yeah, I just fell more fell in love with the dog side. I've got my own dog. So I've got a golden retriever who's three now. He is my first paycheck and best paychecks well spent. And I will be honest. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I just, I just, yeah. So with him, I try and keep him as fit and healthy as possible. I think that's kind of what dove me into it. Yeah, that's in a nutshell. (laughs) I love that. So you started on the human side of things and then kind of evolved towards the animal side as you got into it a little more. 
yeah so I ended up doing the three years of human I, I didn't hate it I actually really enjoyed it and kind of how I got into exactly what I'm doing so I like doing like oh people have injured them maybe people get whiplash maybe people are doing I don't know sports people hurt themselves generally and um, so I, I work with quite a few people giving them exercises stuff like that and I don't take offense it's boring people find it boring and they're like yeah yeah Steph I did my exercises and oh, I know you didn't <laughs> you're like I can tell that's okay yeah. <laughs> you don't need to lie to me you don't need to lie um so people hate it like they they understood it or maybe they'd do them for a bit they'd get better and then they'd stop um and then I did this with animals and people would do their exercises they were really they're really good with animals we would literally like give our dog gold and eat baked beans on toast and (laughs) (laughs) so people are good with the dog ones and I was like oh well why can't I combine this because then you're saving yourself time because people are like not keeping themselves fit sometimes just doing everything for the dog and then that's how I was like well I'll get both of them and just cram them together (laughs) I love that I love that so on a day-to-day basis, what are you generally doing with clients that you're seeing? Are you doing more of the rehab side? Are you doing preventative stuff, both? I'd say I'm more heavy on preventative now. So I work with a lot of people who, um, like canny crossers, people who do, there's one lady I work with, she does everything, like every single dog sport known to man, I swear. Um, so people who do dog sports as well as like people who have like you know your happy sofa dog um, generally kind of the spectrum but in preventative so just trying to keep them on their feet and um, I do do a little bit of rehab so the guys that I see face to face in my clinic they're your rehab cases they're, they've or they've seen a behaviorist so I'm I get referred to for a few local behaviorists where the dogs kind of showing loads of behavioral issues and they come to me and I'm like is it pain? Because um, they're really really related, um, mm-hmm. super related. Um, but yeah, mostly the preventative side, which is fun. <laughs> I love that you brought up that behavior stuff too, because from a training standpoint, you know, when we see clients for behavior modification cases, that's one of the first things that we ask is how long has this behavior been happening? If it's new, have we gotten your dog checked out? Because there's so many little things that our dogs will hide, you know, they're very stoic about things. And if there's something that's uncomfortable, oftentimes we might not see that expressed physically right off the bat. We see it more behaviorally. And some are so stoic. I mean, if you think of your typical like Labrador, they've been known to have like really late on cancer and no one's even noticed because I love dogs so much. They just... They, we are their best friends and they do anything for us. And if, if they are in a bit of pain, but they can still be with us trotting on a little walk, they will. And yeah. they're, they're so loyal. So yeah. yeah. And that's where like, I talk to people and know your dog, know your dog, really know the ins and outs of your dog. And even though it might be like a teeny tiny change, this is kind of where all the preventative stuff comes in. You need to recognize it, even if I have people with little diaries like, oh, my dog did this today. And um, if you notice a change, then it's a change. Why is it happening? Um, and it's, if it continues and gradually gets worse, because sometimes people go to the vets or whatever. And that, oh, yeah, my dog struggles to get up from the bed, but he didn't like a year ago. And, and it's you just don't notice it until it's like it's a big functional thing. And you're like, if only we'd seen each other like a year ago. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think that's especially important for our people that are engaged in dog powered sports, right? Because these sports are really demanding of the dog and there's a lot of things that can go wrong pretty quickly that our dogs might hide. And we might see it simply as 
a lack of enthusiasm, right? Yeah. Or maybe maybe they're not quite as gung ho off the start line, or they're having a little bit of trouble with fitness, and we're going, you know what? Maybe they're just not in shape. But a lot of those really small changes we need to be aware of because that could indicate potentially that something's going wrong, or that we have some kind of um, lack of strength in a certain area that they're really needing this season. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, in in whatever sport anybody does, we push our dogs more than they would do generally just tottering around and and when we push them we end up kind of stressing their body in ways they wouldn't usually be stressed or sometimes it brings about an issue that would have happened anyway but it just highlights it so I know a lot of um, canny crossers so um, you know when they it's called crabbing so -hmm. if you're behind your dog running and the bum kind of drifts to the side um, and a lot of people think oh it's just because the tail's hitting the line that's all it is because it holds its tail up. Is it? Is it always that? Um, so sometimes that can be kind of muscle imbalance, but it's it's tiny things that you won't think of it at all. But once you're looking at your dog, you're like, actually, although they've done it forever, is it is it normal? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. That and that's an issue that comes up quite a bit in the dog powered sports world with people that are just getting started. Dogs that are crabbing or tracking on several, where the front end is on, on kind of in one track and the rear is in another, um, yeah. or dogs that will canter or trot for some of it, but then they start to pace right and maintaining yeah. that speed, that gait is is not efficient for them. It, it generally is a sign of um, you know lack of strength God. or that they're too tired. Yep. So when People are kind of engaging in dog-powered sports. I think a lot of our folks listening are um, very good about keeping their dogs generally at a good weight, um, which is, of course, very important. And they're yeah. they're generally good about allowing ample free running and, and doing lots of cardio with their dogs. Yeah. But can you talk to us or explain why that might not be enough and why that client that you mentioned that does a million dog sports, right? But going to agility and going to dock diving, that's not necessarily their fitness, right? That's them doing that sport, but we need to do other things on top of that. So can you kind of explain to our listeners why that might be the case? Yeah. And first of all, before I say anything, anybody who's listening to this and you're like, oh God, I don't do that. It's okay. You know, like the amount of people who come and see me and they're like, oh, bless them. I've got to give, take my hat off to them. The amount of people who turn up And they're like, I have no idea who you are or what you do, but the vet told me to come. And I'm like, well done you. You came to something that was good for your dog that you had no idea. (laughs) So it's just not known about. So whatever, what if you sit in there, like, it's okay. Like, don't, please don't come away from this beating yourself up. It's fine. And so when we do sports with our dogs, it is brilliant. And obviously our training or whatever, it obviously fittens them up. Because I imagine everybody's dog is looking in pretty good shape generally. And But there is more that you can do to kind of protect them. So strength and conditioning, really easy if we think about people. So if you think about our Olympians, people um, at high level sport, you wouldn't see a footballer just go and play football. They're always, they will have strength and conditioning at the gym sessions. Even if you, people went to uni and like took part in a sport, I'm sure they will have thrown you in a gym sometimes. Because the reason why they do that is it, it sounds really simple, but it just strengthens kind of the soft tissue structures, the muscles. So if you've got a joint, so let's say we've got our knee joint, and if we strengthen the muscles all around it with exercises which are super specific for that particular knee, then that knee is more stable. And if we've got, say, the footballer on the field and they get tackled, 
then a risk is that their ligament in their knee, yeah, can snap and it's a horrible injury. But if you strengthen that knee and it gets hit, it's less likely to pop. So transferring that across to our dogs, the research is all the same, but researching dogs is slightly behind people. We're always slightly behind, we're continuously chasing, um, but it's the exact same. So if you strengthen the muscles and really do exercises, and when I say exercises, it might be kind of specific sit to stands in certain ways or going on platforms and getting your dog maybe to do a bow on them. There's loads of different types of things that you can do. And, and do speak to someone to be like, oh, okay, like, what do I want to do? They're exercises that are really specific, that really strengthen specific joints and they can reduce it. So reduce injury risk in that way. Um, but they can also like optimize performance. You might find that your dog might have a bit of muscle imbalance. So like the crabbing. So my dog, I do a lot of work with. He is a good old crabber. And <laughs> part of it is habit. But I, I'm working with him. So it's it's okay if your dog, it's not like, my dog's broken. Um, it's fine. But it's, yeah, so that's the conditioning. And then flexibility. We need to have some sort of, if you think of like an elastic band, it needs to be stretchy. To, to work functionally so when we have um kind of the soft tissues in our dogs if we had that hit force um against the knee and it was really brittle like a plate then it would just snap whereas if you've got a nice bit of give then maybe that ligament if it is stretched it will just stretch and then come back together and maybe you might have an overstretching injury but that is 10 times faster and easier to rehab than a so yeah, yeah, that in a nutshell, that's kind of do do it on top of your other stuff, but don't like knack your dog out. Think about how much you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that a little because for our people that are pretty active in the competitive side of the sport, yeah. you know, they could be going to two races a month, let's mm -hmm. say, which that involves quite a bit of intense performance for Saturday, Sunday, and then they might have a rest day and we've got our normal running and conditioning training days on top of that. How much is too much? When, when do we add in, you know, these exercises to the routine enough that they're making a difference and not so much that it's necessarily getting in the way of or harming the dog? Yeah. And it's a tough one. It's kind of like how long is a piece of string? Every single dog will be different. And um, I think the main thing to start on is rest days. So rest days are super duper important, at least like two a week. Um, so if you're doing a huge competition the day after, you don't want to be doing loads. The day before, you don't really want to be doing loads. <laughs> um, so if you've got a competition, I'd grow around that. Um, but yeah, so at least like one or two. And you can still do stuff on your rest days. Like don't put them in a crate for 24 hours. Like get them <laughs> get them walking around you go for a little potter and stuff but nothing crazy and um, so I generally have people doing these exercises like three four times a week but even if you just did it like once or twice a week it's better than nothing um yeah but it's kind of but it doesn't have to be like a whole hour session so the exercises that I give people you can do them in less than five minutes some of them so it's like oh I've put the kettle on okay I've got two minutes let's go as long as you're and it kind of brings us in the the big things is warming up effectively and cooling down effectively they are warm up cool down strength and conditioning are the three biggest things i probably preach about in my life <laughs> 
So these routines, I do find, you know, even with regular dog training, if we can find ways, like you mentioned, you know, putting coffee on and then going to take care of something, if we can find those short spurts throughout the day, I find that it helps clients be successful because it's not a huge time commitment. Everybody's busy. We all have full-time jobs, right? We're trying to train our dogs and exercise our dogs on top of this. So that can be really helpful in terms of getting people, um, giving people the amount of time to do it, right? Finding those small spurts throughout the day. Um, Talk to us a little bit about consistency, because I know that consistency plays a big part in terms of making any progress with something. So generally, are you focusing on one or two things and getting that on board consistently before adding something else to the plate? So something I, so I'm a little bit unique. So I do do, so if I have my rehab cases come, I will do just dog exercises. But what I do specifically, which makes me very, very unique, (laughs) I will be honest, um, is so I get people exercising and doing strength and conditioning exercises with their dog at the same time together, which is very different. Um, But my, my kind of ethos behind that is people don't have time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure people listen to this, have a job, have a life, have this, and like, oh my goodness, I don't have time to like breathe and eat. And um, that's okay. Like, I get that. Um, so if you can exercise you both at the same time, it's brilliant because it saves time. Don't even bother going to the gym. Just do it with your dog. It's fine. Um, and sometimes everybody thinks they have to take their dog for a walk to exercise. It has to go outside. You can actually just do strength and conditioning at home. And that is exercise. So if like... It's chucking it down and you don't want to go out. It's don't beat yourself up. That's also fine. Um, I've forgotten what I was going to say. What was the question? <laughs> oh, consistency. You know how like, if, you have to, um, if you have to kind of focus on one or two things at a time before adding something else, because that consistency from week to week obviously makes a big difference in terms of the dog actually getting gains from what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah so consistency and the reason why I kind of bring person and dog together because people are probably sitting here like, oh, I don't really care about myself I just care about the dog and the reason why I bang on about people as well is if the person injures themselves because they are just as much at risk as the dog because I'm sure you don't just stand stock still while your dog does all the exercises if you injure yourself then your dog can't go and do whatever it's doing so it is vital that you are staying in shape because if you're out of the game, the dog's out of the game. And so that's for consistency. I think it's really important to do both of you at the same time. And if it's good for your dog and it does you at the same time, then you're not going to not do it because then you feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Building a stronger dog while you're just standing here eating potato chips. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And in terms of kind of consistency and building it up. So I generally start, quite easy no matter like I might have a really high level person but I start nice and easy just because when you're working together like like if anybody lies on the floor with their dog in the lounge the dog probably goes absolutely psycho jumping all over them (laughs) and (laughs) because it's exciting so first of all it's kind of training the dog like okay like it's okay we can be calm um doing these things so that's I kind of begin like that and then we progress it as the dog's kind of listening because where it's different if you're standing there doing star jumps dogs usually get really excited so it's building them up I wouldn't just start doing jumping jacks with a dog and expecting (laughs) it to weave between my legs because it would just fail (laughs) and then if you fail at the first hurdle you're not going to continue it so you build it up nice and slowly then it's the training that comes with it your relationship 
them just grows and they really become they begin to listen the trust and confidence because then they get confident in well my human does a bit of weird and wacky stuff but you know it's fine and so that uh, I find helps in consistency by um a big thing I preach is set you and your dog up for success not for failure I love that so yeah take it slowly yeah, it is. I think a lot of people will get excited about something or enthusiastic and they dive in and they might dive in a little too much. And I think that's a really easy way to get burnt out for both you and the dog. Um, and then you're not going to be consistent with it. You know, you're not going to be able to maintain it. And so obviously for something fitness wise for human and dogs that are involved in this sport, we want something that's realistic. We want something that they're able to maintain. Yeah, and you want to build it up slowly because you don't want to. You how many runners, right? So we're coming up to January. We'll have. I will be. I will have quite a few phone calls. So <laughs> New so, Year's resolutions by chance? <laughs> yeah, everybody will have set a New Year's resolution of running, and they will run, and then they will get shin splints. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, so they their shins will really hurt because they will just start running ten miles, five miles on concrete, and they won't have any preparation no (laughs) warm-up so the whole point even if you are really excited don't dive in too fast because you can cause damage and it's it's building up slowly it might seem slow but it's the best way to do it you don't just walk into a gym do I think this some women are scared of this so a lot of women are very scared of doing strength and conditioning because they think I I I don't know how many times you can explain to people they're going to walk into a gym They're going to go on a bench press, do eight reps, and then they're going to walk out looking like a really bulky man. (laughs) (laughs) It is a genuine worry. People say it loads, don't they? Yeah, I've heard that so many times. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So anyone listening, I promise you, I promise that won't happen. It really won't happen. So (laughs) you've got to do strength and conditioning to kind of, you're not going to bulk up. You're not going to look like what you don't want to look like. It's just really important to build it up slowly. Those guys who look like that, A, are guys. So they have, they they beat us anyway with all the testosterone. It's easier for them. Even if, even if I like ate protein powder 24-7 and lived in the gym, I wouldn't look like that as much as I tried. So it's, I think you need to get rid of that fear. That's the first fear you got to get rid of. And, and it takes time. You don't just suddenly become pumped up. Even if you eat loads of protein powder. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some people wish that were the case. Oh, Unfortunately, my goodness, yes. games take a little time. <laughs> and if anybody promises you that, then it's probably not illegal right and not recommended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of our people, you know, in dog-powered sports have a pretty consistent running program. Like usually yeah. when I talk to people, they've started off with some kind of couch to 5K program, right? And that kind of gets them in the gist of getting out consistently, starting to build slowly like we were just talking about. Um, but a lot of people don't necessarily understand, um, you know, more of the strength and resistance behind it or the flexibility. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about what you what you were mentioning before about the importance of kind of that basic warm up, um, the building, and then your cool down, and why that would be something that everyone needs to incorporate not only for themselves but also for their dogs. Yeah, so I'm sure everybody's banged on at some point to you about warm up. Um, well, 
<laughs> it, it, it has reason. So when we say warm up, we do actually physically mean warm up. You find after a warm up, you should be warm. So it's it's quite easy to see when if you've done a warm up appropriately, which is quite nice. And um, but the point of it is to actually just get your body ready. If you just went from zero to hero, so I was at home. When was it? It was last Christmas. I went home. He, my dad's like literally a dad of a physio, and he went out for a run. And he just got up from the sofa, literally ran down the drive. I think he ran, but he was decided that day that he was going to start running. And he ran eight miles, got back, and then sat on the sofa. And I was like, have you oh even walked? <laughs> I'm knackered. And um, I don't know how he didn't get an injury. And he's like 60. <laughs> so uh, he retired and decided that he would start running. <laughs> so... And it, it's brilliant that like people are so keen, but you've got to make sure that you do stop and warm up because what it does is it literally warms up your tissues. And if we think about, I'm trying to think of something that, if you if you heat up a plastic, and sorry, this has become a physics lesson. <laughs> if the analogies you, are great though. Yeah, yeah, I, I find I, I need analogies. Um, I'm like really severely dyslexic. So I just think in like pictures. <laughs> So if you think of a plastic and you really heat it up, remember that your mom's probably told you at some point, don't put hot water in the Tupperware because it goes all bendy. Yeah? So what we do when we warm up is we basically are putting the um, tissues, so our muscles, under hot water like the Tupperware, and it makes them really flexible. So when we do start exercising, they're more flexible. We're more likely to be able to kind of reach a bit further if we um, do get hit or we fall over again it's like I was saying before you're less likely to cause like a significant injury because it'll just kind of flex and then flex back whereas if we go straight from cold if we had our solid Tupperware and you just threw it against something then it's probably going to snap at some point point. Um, so if you just go from cold to running you're much more likely to just injure yourself tear something it might not be a full rupture but if anybody's ever lifted something a bit too much picked up it's usually people's backs isn't it they've picked up something wrong and your back hurts you've mm -hmm. probably just torn a few fibers and not just you know what i mean it's actually more painful you know to just tear a few fibers and have a full snap <laughs> so yeah so warm up is literally warming up the tissues making them more flexible less likely to snap it's as simple as that and it gets in terms of physiologically it gets oxygen, it gets the blood pumping around faster. So our, the reason why we get hot, so our um, arteries and everything, they kind of dilate, so they get bigger. The, our heart pumps much faster. And you guys can't see this, there's loads of um, hands <laughs> going on. Um, so everything's going around the body faster, so we're having much more oxygen go around. So our body is literally prepping itself for exercise so that when you do, say, start running, You've already got loads more oxygen there. And it's not just about getting oxygen to the cells. So they go to the cell and we use it and then it creates carbon dioxide. And that needs to be taken from the cell back to like the lungs. And it's it's not just getting two places. So it's a circle going around. So warming up, vital. <laughs> now this warm up, we need to be doing this with our dogs before we're doing our at home conditioning as well as running on the trail. But the warm up might look a little different depending on what we're planning on getting ready to do. Yeah, so if it's literally like quite a simple exercise, um, so generally I split my exercises up into novice, intermediate, advanced. So if it's a novice warm up, it's just kind of 
walking round, stretching our arms out, just as if you sat on the sofa and you just wanted to have a, it literally could be like a minute, two minutes of walking around, stretching your arms, maybe a couple, three second jogs. That's That could literally be it. If you're just going to be walking, maybe doing some stepping up and off a step, that's all you probably need. Um, have to say, I forgot to say at the start, always speak to your vet before you do any exercises. Really recommend. Um, but then when you get to doing more intense exercise, so like your sports, then you would start with kind of that novice warm up and then you'd be up in the speed of it, doing some high knees and think about kind of the movements that you're doing. So if we think about kind of agility dogs, they're going to be doing quite fast corners. So you need to warm up that fast um, movement. So if, imagine them going through the weave boop, 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 with the <laughs> front legs. And so what I will do is I will sidestep slowly, put out my hand for Teddy, Teddy's my dog, to do a nose touch to the side, change direction. And then as he's as he's warming up, so you can tell with a dog really easily because their tongue just gets really long, <laughs> then you can switch it up really fast and literally run hand um nose touch and then quickly pelt it in the other direction so yeah so your warm-up should gradually begin to kind of emanate what you're doing in the exercise i love that yep absolutely so then we're working on our at-home fitness program or we're out on the trail running with the dogs and then yeah. we of course have to cool everybody back down talk to us a little bit about the importance of that yeah and last thing on warm-up the amount yeah. of people sometimes people warm up before they go out and then they put the dog in the car and then they drive an hour that doesn't work and yeah. warm up just before you do the exercise that's just the amount of on site <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. site just before because i know sometimes they get you to throw your dog in the car um, at meetups for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. mm, mm, maybe talk to the person who's organizing it They're probably gonna hate me and um, but anyway sorry cool down so cool down if you can imagine you went for a massive run and you just sat on the sofa you just it would feel awful um <laughs> because what you need to do so your your heart will be racing really fast because it's been getting all that blood everywhere and then you sit down it lowers a bit too fast and then you feel a bit rubbish and you're like oh god um so what you need to do is kind of the opposite of a warm-up so whereas a warm-up we gradually build up with a cool down we gradually bring it back down so i love so I, I never jog around my home. I always walk. So walking is fantastic. Stretching is brilliant. Um, so just don't just stop. <laughs> you can run. You don't have to, if you're really tired at the end of a running race, keep running around. No, that's fine. Don't worry. Just walk. Just keep walking around. Stretch yourself out. Massage is brilliant for your dogs. If anybody's keen, I literally have just made one yesterday about how to cool down, massage your dog. Um, I don't know when this has been published, but you know, <laughs> I've got that if anybody wants it. Massaging your dog, because that kind of helps what we want to do. So everybody's had cramp at some point, I'm sure, where it really hurts. The buildup of lactic acid, it's horrible. So what kind of cool down does, and also massaging, is it encourages those kind of waste products. So the lactic acid, that's what causes the pain. It builds up and it's painful. So kind of by encouraging the blood to continue pumping around we're getting those waste products out the cells getting it back around then hopefully you should have no cramp hopefully and the next day you know that kind of post soreness which is um delayed onset of muscle fatigue yeah i said the right way doms (laughs) um 
sometimes you can't help it, but you can make it less worse. Less worse, if that's even good English. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Any suggestions on on ways where if somebody has more than one dog, obviously mm-hmm. two would be a little easier to clip to leashes and kind of walk around as they're cooling yeah. off. But any other suggestions for those larger teams on how one might um, kind of ease that transition from running to just stopping? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I think it'd be cool if you had friends, Mm -hmm. you could um, pass them there. But if you're literally just by yourself, are we talking about, you know, like if you had, I don't know, dogs pulling a sleigh, that type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Sled or rig. Yep. So either on snow or on dry land. Yeah. I would love to have a go at that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it would just be if you can, because obviously it depends how much space you've got, doesn't it? If you're at an event, Mm -hmm. can you walk them around a bit first? Um, You mean, you don't have to be, you can walk next to, whatever contraption they're pulling that you're Mm -hmm. usually standing on and just encourage them maybe walking in big circles so big circle to the left big circle to the right straight line they can still be kind of attached to each other Um, and that's another thing I didn't say before left and right bend in both directions Mm -hmm. I'd say just try and walk it off until they've stopped kind of panting that type of stuff and you're never going to stop them panting but you know what I mean they've they've just come down a little bit and so if you've got space walking big circles I find really helpful and I, I mean and, and if if they're really good off lead maybe you could like get them all next to you walking. yeah yeah <laughs> no in certain circumstances especially training I think that definitely would be feasible for some people to kind of let them yeah. free walk around an area or get them Difficult. if you're running from your house into a yard to to kind of let them walk around there um, yeah. but but yeah I, I see especially you know at at meetups, you can see people head out for a run and then they come back and then the dogs are stationary on the car, which is totally okay for a minute or two. Let them grab some water. You grab some water. But then that is so important to yeah. keep that body moving and let everything kind of stretch back out, right? So that as hard. it's cooling off. Yeah, like yeah. when you say when you've got that many, it can be really hard. Or if someone's like, oh, no, you need to move. Sometimes don't beat yourself up if if you're like, oh, like I didn't manage to do it at that time. It's not the end of the world. Like as long as you're trying your best, that's all you can do at the end of the day. At least your dog's gone out and had a good day. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. They had a great though. day. A great exactly. day. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're working on these at-home fitness programs with the dogs and doing some strengthening and conditioning Are there any, you know, creative approaches that people can take to it? Of course, you mentioned um, working out with your dog and trying to tie that in. But is there anything else that you generally recommend to people to kind of keep things fun or keep things entertaining for them and the dog? Um, So the exercises that I do, I generally recommend to do them for the length of a song because songs are fun and um, if you want to make your life difficult put on ABBA because they're like five minutes six <laughs> minutes <laughs> um, so you can do it to songs because that's 10 times better and sometimes if you've got say four exercises so what I do if you've got four exercises that yeah I know them we can do them really well do four songs have a little bit of a break and then four songs um, and then it's like a 25 minute workout and it's like going to a spinning class with your dog. And um, so you can recommend that if you've got a friend, it's good fun to do them together because then you're getting your dog to listen to you with ignoring somebody else doing star jumps. And something I recommend is start in the house, then go out into the garden. Then this is the whole set them up for success. Throwing out toys while you're doing the exercises. They've got to ignore the toys. Then you take them out to the dog park. Can you do it in the dog park, ignoring everyone? And ultimately, even though it's physio and that, it's it's a way of training, just mm-hmm. building that focus. And 
something so my dog teddy he is a golden retriever but literally does not care about food at all and um, so i can go for a day and he doesn't eat a meal which is not great but i've spoken to the vet about it. he's fine apparently he knows how much he needs and we can go i think we once went three days and i was like please eat something <laughs> and he just doesn't care about food so i've i've literally walked around a dog park with a roast chicken I had every single dog except mine. So I've been at my wit's end before with training. So, and if people have got super fit dogs, they might not want to use treats all the time. So I would recommend to get your dog, even if they are super treat motivated, can they listen to something else? Because if you ever don't have food on you, will your dog come back to you? So will, so Teddy, we found out the way of training, he likes pets. He just likes a pet on the head. That's how we've basically trained him now. Which, who knew? Who knew? I spent all that money on chicken and treats. <laughs> Pets. Another thing. Um, so if your dog's really kind of intrinsically motivated, I've got a pot that we've drilled. It's literally just, I don't even know. It's like a plastic pot. We've drilled holes in the top. We put sheep wool in it. And when he's good, he gets to sniff it. So if, because I imagine everyone listening here, you've all got probably really good looking dogs. Can, if you're not interested in giving treats, can you kind of, tell them well done in another way mm-hmm. so music and non-treats maybe yeah. yeah no I think that's I think that's good I think it's important you know a lot of our in our online program we start teaching all the skills with food you know we're yeah. teaching dogs how to turn right and left how to stop and go how to do a line out behavior and all of it starts with food but we always have to get to the point where our dog can do that behavior without food you know we need to find non-food reinforcers in the world that our dog enjoys and it's sometimes it's really easy, right? Like you go to the back door, you ask your dog to sit and their reward is getting to go out, run around in the backyard. That's what they want in that moment. You know, sometimes it's a little more challenging when you're out on the trail and there's distractions because they might want that distraction. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> we can't give them it's that as the reward. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have a heck of a time with our puppy because squirrels, oh my gosh, she is fascinated, but that can't ever be her reward because right? We, we need to keep her focused on the trail. We don't want her running off the trail to get them. So we definitely have to get creative with that. And so I love that you brought that up, that it's not always yeah. about the food. It's about, you know, and building that relationship with your dog, finding what motivates the dog, what works for them. Exactly. Why not combine training, exercising, both of you, everything all at once? Because we literally only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. This, that was That was my conclusion. I was like, well, I'll just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So obviously anybody who is getting engaged in a fitness program with their dog should go talk to their doctor, should go talk to their vet. But are -hmm. are there kind of some standard foundation activities that are commonly seen uh, in your foundation programs or even for your canacrossers or dog powered sports people? Um, I think getting a dog up onto a step is always good so a step up for anyone's good so maybe like you step up your dog sits down that they you step off they step up and maybe you could do a squat and shake their paw while they're stepped up and stuff like that um so you can do side planks can they crawl underneath you crawling is amazing for dogs and so you know there's agility tunnels that you can get everybody always gets massive ones for their dogs get a smaller one and get your dog to crawl through it they won't do it at speed but they'll have to crawl for a while (laughs) really good exercise stuff like that um crawling yeah walking backwards that's amazing if you've got um 
cavaletti so what i mean by that you know like little horse jumps for dogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> just stepping over that can be difficult a load of dogs actually have no idea they have back feet like no idea it's surprising yeah. how many <laughs> so, it's just along for the ride as the front goes <laughs> yeah they just follow um they don't think and you're like look this is your foot <laughs> so doing kind of pole work stuff like that with them it's it's to be honest if anybody is a horsey who's listening to this everything that you do kind of pole work on horses with dogs yeah but people just don't think about it just yeah. imagine that <laughs> So a lot of these programs, um, I think, like we talked about, can be overwhelming to some people, right? Because mm. we think I'm my schedule is so full. The last thing I need is to add something else to my plate. Um, how do you how do you recommend that people start looking at these programs in in ways that make it seem a little more manageable for them? I think. Um... I think be honest, so whoever you're chatting to at the start, be honest about what you can achieve and like how much time. Err on the side of caution, you can always take it up. Sometimes when we take on too much, then we feel sad. Um, and <laughs> and then we, we we really beat ourselves up. So a big thing that I do with um, my lot that I kind of do, so each week we have kind of motivation mindset stuff because it's so easy. We are so mean to ourselves. Like so mean so I try and encourage people to see themselves through their dog's eyes because our dogs think we're amazing so <laughs> just trying to give people that boost so I'd say say do less and you can always build it up be honest with yourself and them and if you don't achieve an exercise on that day that's okay have it flexible over a couple of days so not that you're going to bed and you're feeling really rubbish but like, well it was okay anyway because I might do it tomorrow um, and starting is always the hardest it honestly is anybody who starts when you find something difficult it's hard so I I'm an adult hopefully you guys who can hear I'm not a child and and I recently started ice hockey and ice hockey like we didn't really have an ice rink where I grew up and then they built one in Bristol like, oh wow I am not the best skater and I'm not the best ice hockey person as a consequence. But I tell you what, I'm having the time of my life. But starting is the absolute hardest because I spend a lot of time on my bum on the ice. But you know what? It's fine. But a lot of people who turned up to like the first session who couldn't skate, they they aren't there. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like if you go to the gym on the 1st of January versus the 31st, they like all disappear. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? You, you're not going to be a pro. The people who you see generally on social media and this and that, they've probably done it for a long time. And don't trust every single video because they've probably edited it. And they probably, that's probably like the hundredth take to get that. So something I'm really honest about with Teddy is like, like I will often put up, um, so I was showing steps to get into my car, right? Another thing, my goodness, if you have um, an SUV, car america you guys have like giant cars yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> i went there for the first time a year ago now i went to florida and i was like these cars are massive <laughs> <laughs> and you should see the ones that we used to haul our dogs to dog events yeah they must oh bigger. my goodness i thought i had a big car right so i bought a uk suv i went to america and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> so anyway if you've got one of these massive cars ultra massive cars if you're in the states <laughs> then you can get steps for your dog to get in and out of the car 
please don't get your dog to jump in and out the car off these really high cars because they're just massive. You're asking your dog to literally, in, in a comparison, roll their ankle. Mm-hmm. If you get in, because we park on stones generally, don't we? Gravel, not good for our dogs to be jumping on. You can get ramps, you can get steps. I use steps because they are portable and fold up. The ramps are massive, but maybe if you have massive cars, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say is, um, so I put a video up recently of me showing how to use these steps. And I was like, oh, look at my steps I bought for my car. And then Teddy just jumped over the steps and jumped into the boot. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this video up anyway. And then I brought him down and then he went up the steps because it's it's about being honest, isn't it? Sometimes you do stuff and you're like, well, that wasn't what I was aiming for. <laughs> it was a very good jump. <laughs> So yeah, don't don't beat yourself up. It's not going to be perfect first time, and it it's never if you if you had perfection all the time, it'd be so boring. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I do. So in the group that I run, we do Facebook lives, and sometimes Teddy is an absolutely fantastic demo dog, but twice a week Facebook lives, like sometimes it's not going to be great. Yeah. The other day he was like, I'm not feeling it, and I taught him bow recently. And he apparently he's forgotten how to lie down. Um, <laughs> so now, whenever I ask him to lie down, he's just bowing, which looks great. But I'm like, no, I'm trying to show a really simple exercise. <laughs> lie down, stand up. And Teddy's just bowing. And I'm like, well, anyway, you guys can imagine, right? The bum is here. <laughs> so it's fine. Like, nothing's always perfect. And if people were with dogs anyway, then <laughs> they know. Yeah. You you definitely have to have a sense of humor. Um, yeah. What you guys missed right before we started this was my puppy um, attacking <laughs> the side of my face with kisses. And I was like, I might have to put her away. Well, things are not always perfect. And I think that's so important for people to know, because especially when starting something new, we're already stressed out. When we're stressed out, we're more likely to make mistakes. So what are some common mistakes that you do see from people and in these programs? And are they normal? Are some of them things that we need to be concerned or aware about? I think if you're doing an exercise, double check don't just like read the exercise once do it and then like just keep doing it and never look at the sheet again because I mean I remember when I worked in a human clinic I gave someone a hamstring exercise so it was literally just to stretch their, their the back of their leg and they came in like a month later and they were just standing on one leg and hovering the other one and they were like yeah I've been doing this every day and I was like oh well it's not got better has it and he was like no <laughs> So just double check. I think the, the main one is just check you're doing the right exercise. Check you're doing it right. Um, <laughs> so that's the first one. Check you're doing it right. If you're doing a stretch, if you can hold a stretch for 60 seconds, that is amazing. However, dogs are dogs. So if they get the stretch right for a second, then that's okay. Just begin with that and kind of, you don't want to be pushing against resistance on stretches. I think that's where people get injuries. Mm-hmm. So if you're stretching your dog out, they need to be relaxed and they need to like stretch their, oh, you guys can't see, I'm stretching my arm forwards. <laughs> so it needs to be relaxed. They need to relax into the stretch. The first time you do it, your dog's probably not going to do it. And if they do, they probably won't do it next time. What It takes time. Like Teddy's good at it now, but he's three and I've been stretching him since he was, I had him. Um, so it's just don't push against resistance. I think it's rushing. I think that's the thing that people want to achieve perfection too soon. Um, So just take it easy and end on success. 
and um, the amount of people who do it so you do an exercise your dog does it. I mean I am guilty of this I'm sure you are your dog does it and you're like oh my goodness so I'm so my husband's called hack and I'm like hack hack come and look at this and then you do it again and then it's not very good so <laughs> do get if you're going to show someone or record it record the first one if you do it well just stop well done we did it and leave yeah. it as that so end on success and the shorter like the exercise the better sometimes so if if you were if you're lucky to work at home then hey you could do it like you're supposed to get up every five minutes for an hour aren't you if you don't please get up every five minutes for an hour move your legs do something with your dog it'll keep you both entertained I think yeah just little and often not aiming perfection too soon and building up a program gradually because people get really motivated Mm -hmm. they do loads and then they can't be bothered and then they stop and the whole point is to do something which is sustainable and engaging and and yeah and we're trying to create time that's it sounds really stupid but yeah try to create time (laughs) one thing that came to mind as you were talking about um stretches actually was stretching generally for our dogs when we're talking about it for dog powered sports happens on site right mm-hmm. because that's part of our cool down routine once we yeah. get their heart rate back down to normal so i imagine that there's quite a bit of work that people will need to do as well in terms of getting their dogs to actually relax in an environment like that of course the exercise beforehand helps but that's something as well that you'll need to practice at home and then slowly start taking on the road with you so that your dog gets more and more comfortable practicing those stretches and being able to do them in different environments, particularly environments that might be high arousal. Yeah. So if we're thinking about like a competition place off, what's probably going to happen is your dog isn't going to lie down. It isn't going to give you its like, let's be honest. <laughs> it's, it's about honesty, isn't it? So one thing that might be quite good for that is teaching exercises just as normal as a sit. Like I've got the bow. The bow is a fantastic stretch. If you can get your dog to sit when they're at um, a place, why can't you get them to bow? It will take time. So you can do a bow stretch. Maybe you could teach your dog. Um, so, you know, when they have like back leg awareness, I've mm-hmm. forgotten the posh word, um, but <laughs> they know where their back feet are and maybe getting them to reach out for a platform mm-hmm. and you can do it place the platform maybe a little bit away or whatever target and they're having to stretch backwards maybe um if they know touch you could hold your hand up and they could touch your hand it's it's going about it a slightly different way getting the dog to view it this is just the same as sit um rather than you might not be able to get them to lie down and properly stretch out the leg that might be a nice at home ex- routine but when you're out and about yeah, it's a little more challenging, <laughs> <laughs> especially yeah. races. Dog races are loud and exciting, yeah. and it's going to take a little bit of time for your dog to be able to do some of these and things successfully. If you have multiple ones, yeah, I imagine it's easier then. You could maybe get two at a time. Bow, bow, yeah. bow. <laughs> <laughs> or harder because they're like, what are you doing? What What's your reward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want that. <laughs> I, think, I think that's better than mine, thanks. <laughs> So tell us, Steph, a little bit about your program. Um, We'll drop some links to it in the comments um, for the show notes. But tell people a little bit about what they could expect and who it might be a good fit for. So it's called the Ultimate Boot Camp because, you know, I had a bit of fun in the afternoon naming it. (laughs) Um, So it's a 12-week coaching program, which is the whole point of it is to kind of coach people and give people the confidence to 
do strength and conditioning. So the aim is basically for you to be a sponge and to just grill me for the 12 weeks and then to go away and you'll have like downloaded all your PDF exercises. So you've got all them, all your stretches. And the aim is just for you to be confident to carry on. So what we do is we create like a personalized exercise program for you and your dog. Um, we do the mindset stuff each week, keeping you up with it. Accountability, because I need the kick up the backside a lot. <laughs> the the kind of um, bi-weekly, that's the word, bi-weekly kind of Facebook um, lives. There's a group. So it, it's kind of one-to-one plus group coaching. And people ha- in there, they've um, the focus that they've got from their dogs is great. So yeah, they've had great stuff in terms of kind of strength and conditioning and that. But in terms of the focus they get in, I've got a lady who canny crosses and she used to like go to hell and back because especially at the beginning of the races, her, her dog would run very fast. Yeah. <laughs> She'd get launched off planet Earth and she's actually able to like focus the dog and bring her back. So it's it's kind of a nice combo. Um, and if you haven't got time, this sounds really crazy. If you haven't got time, you probably need to talk to me because then we can just put it together, create time um. Yeah, I know I can't literally turn the clock, but sometimes you can combine. It's combining both your fitness together, which is just kind of ends up saving your time in the long run. Yeah, because then if if you really like if you really like your sport that you do, then this it's is important. it's important. Yeah, and if you want to keep your dog going for as long as possible, and it is for kind of the sporty dogs and that, but also because it's a customized thing. I've got a lady in at the moment. She's got, she does quite a lot. She has a lot of younger dogs, but the dog that she actually decided to mostly work with um, through the program is her older one. So he's actually, she was having quite a few issues with, you know, multi-dog household arguments. Um, And I think he started a lot of them, but he's doing great now. And I think he was just being a bit kind of old and grumpy, but Mm -hmm. now he's like feeling a lot better. And because when you're older, what we do with people is we try to get them to do exercises and they feel better. They have less aches and pains. It's mm-hmm. a pain management thing. And um, so she's like, it's, there, there's no arguments. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is for kind of both ends of the spectrum. I love that. Nice. Before we head out, is there anything that we didn't talk about, kind of about vet physio work that you want people to know? No, I think if you do go and see a vet physio, just check kind of their credentials. So in the UK, um, it's not a protected title. So mm-hmm. anyone could call himself a vet physio. So just check they've had the training. That would be my main thing. And I've got a free Facebook group, which I'll send you the link, um, which I generally put different bits of advice. So if you're unsure about if the boot camp's for you, then you can just come and watch me and Teddy show you some stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Steph. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want a little bit more from us, you could consider becoming a Patreon member. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to our private patron community where we can chat a little behind the scenes. You'll also gain access to some special content like early podcast release, some photos and special videos, handouts, and some special content available just from our speakers. Plus, you can ask questions and get them answered by me and other mushers on future episodes. For more information about our Patreon page, head over to patreon.com forward slash positively dog powered, or check out our link in the show notes description. So, 
Until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails.